0: Hello and welcome to the Niche Podcast for Friday, January 31st, 2014. I'm Jonathan Stark.
1: And I'm Kelly Shaver,
0: And we're here to talk about building apps that run everywhere using open web standards like HTML, CSS, JavaScript, REST, and JSON. This week, we discuss Kelly's new Raspberry Pi, what to do with it, how to program it, and what she loves about it. Mmm, Pi. Please stay tuned. The Niche Podcast is next. you know what pie goes good with ice cream uh yes that's true i was thinking coffee though
1: oh yeah
0: yeah don't you have a coffee injury
1: i I do have a coffee injury actually
0: (laughs) you told me (laughs) you told me to remind you about your coffee cup injury
1: yeah i i I bought an insulated coffee cup
0: like a thermos type of thing
1: yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and and i've had them before that have always kind of sucked (laughs) (laughs) They, they don't really work uh, but I have this problem of you know, every time I get coffee or tea, it always gets cold before I can drink it all. Uh right. So, so I go and get this travel mug, and I've had, like I said, I've had insulated ones before that just don't really work that well. So, yeah, you know, I I fixed a cup of a cup of coffee and I set it down, and I got busy doing stuff. And an hour and a half later, I remembered the existence of the coffee. <laughs> And I think I I see where this it is going and it, yeah, I was going to pick it up and take a drink and and in my head it, in my head, I was going, well, it's been an hour and a half, it's cold, it's probably you know like room temperature and disgusting now, but whatever, <laughs> I need the caffeine, I'll just chug it, mm. <laughs> burned my face off Ugh.
0: <laughs> those things, yeah, that's I've done that,
1: yeah, like the the, the entire inside of my mouth and <laughs> I'm, you didn't like, my throat. yeah, chug, chugging it was not a good idea.
0: Oh god, you didn't even like, tr- like, sip it a little bit. It was just like gulp. No. Oh man. I, no. It's like swallowing a fireball. Yeah. Well, at least you didn't like spit it all over the keyboard or something.
1: No, it was it was very tempting to, but I probably would have been less injured had I done so. But no, I I, <laughs> I muscled through. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh man, Erica just got a thermos, like a, as a, we got belated Christmas presents. My brother was mm-hmm. sick on Christmas, so he, uh, he came by for Cooper's fourth birthday last weekend and... Yes, uh, I saw the pictures. Yeah, it was fun. And he delivered, uh, our late Christmas presents and Erica got a ginormous, like, construction dude thermos. <laughs> and, uh, and I got a, uh... Original Star Trek phaser and communicator replica, which has got to be the coolest thing I've ever seen. Nice. You ready for this?
1: Oh, nice, nice. Bridge, is the captain.
0: Transporter room, ready to beam up. Well. Spock here, captain. <laughs> can play with this thing all day.
1: Nice. Yeah. Do you have a lightsaber yet? With lightsaber replicas?
0: Um. Cooper has a bunch of sort of kid versions, but I don't have like. Yeah,
1: you don't. You don't have the master replicas. No, on no licensed no. replica lightsaber.
0: No. Hmm, I didn't really. Honestly, I didn't realize it existed.
1: Yeah, I've, I've, <laughs> I've given away a few of them as gifts. I'll have to.
0: Yeah, keep <laughs> that
1: on my list. Put you on my list. Um, <laughs> Your lightsaber. <but> no, list. <laughs> I've. They have some issues with them. I've ordered, I think three of them, three or four of them now. And all but one has arrived with like with something wrong with it, hmm. but to their credit, the comp- the customer service is excellent. They've always like like made it right right away. And then one time when they sent a the replacement and the replacement was still broken, they like they just like whatever, just keep it, and then they sent us two. so
0: wow. Can so you, the
1: customer service is excellent.
0: Can you imagine telling people at parties that you're in lightsaber customer service?
1: <laughs> <laughs> That'd be <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. It would
0: be awesome. <laughs> oh man, I yeah. So the the tricorder is still outstanding. So I'm gonna get that.
1: Yeah, I I almost bought the tricorder once, but it's expensive.
0: Is it? I, I mean they're not is cheap.
1: the official one? Yeah.
0: It's like yeah, uh, I don't know. It's like fifty bucks. I don't know. Is that is well, that a lot yeah, for okay, a tricorder? Okay. Yeah. No.
1: No. It wasn't. It wasn't expensive. Out of my price range. Expensive. Like if I were just gonna buy it as a collector's item, but I was. I was. I was looking at it for um. For a Halloween costume for Kira at one point. Oh yeah, so it was I more know. than I wanted to pay for a Halloween costume. Exactly, yeah,
0: definitely get like a granola bar box and put a, a big piece of tape on it, maybe.
1: Exactly. Oh, I need to get up for just a second. All right.
0: I'll, I'll drink my lukewarm coffee.
1: Here, lukewarm coffee. So. I had to close the heat vent. In my office It's getting warm in here. Um, Actually, so my
0: coffee, my coffee could use a little warm up. I might. I'll just. I'm just going to do that. Hold on. No, that's better. It's better. Yeah. <laughs> Sound effects. Okay.
1: <laughs> yeah, that almost sounds like a sonic screwdriver.
0: Yes. I wonder. They're probably. I wonder. They must have those too. There must be they some do, kind yeah. of fan. Really.
1: You don't. You don't have a sonic screwdriver.
0: Uh, I'm embarrassed now that you <laughs> wouldn't like that. No,
1: we, we've got like two of them. We've got we've got ten and eleven.
0: Excuse oh you. yeah 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 they they have a wide range. Yeah. Did you see the episode? I think it was uh, this past Christmas when um, the there were three doctors together. It was the yeah. Matt Smith and the and uh, what's his name? Uh, David Tennant. David Tennant.
1: Yeah, and then John Hurt.
0: Like yeah, him. and the comment about how Matt Smith's... <laughs> Sonic screwdriver was bigger. Yeah. <laughs> Overcompensating for something. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Super funny. Hey, you want to talk about building apps that run everywhere?
1: I mean, we could do that. Building apps that run on your Sonic screwdriver.
0: Yeah. Well, we're getting, I think we're getting close to that with the advent of things like Raspberry Pi. I think so. At least I hope so. Um, but first I've got, I've been collecting a pile of sort of um, housekeeping stuff that uh might be interesting to blast through. Uh, yeah, go for it. Yeah, they roughly fall into um, Hue Panel category and um, and updates about the Tools episode that we did a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Uh so just quickly with Hue Panel, if anybody's playing around with Hue Panel or looking at the source code or anything, um <clears throat> I don't think we I don't know if we ever talked about this, but it's just quick. So it turns out that the um The call to the public API to find out your bridge IP address also includes a unique ID for the bridge. Uh, I, I don't know if we talked about this, but when we wanted to see favorites, we needed a unique identifier and we were maybe considering the MAC address, but it turns out there is an actual ID.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I don't don't know if we mentioned it or not, but yeah, there is an actual ID, and that's what we ended up using for for favorites.
0: Yeah, which is good, because the MAC addresses are spoofable, not that anybody would do that, but, you know, because who cares, (laughs) but it's nice to just not have an additional potential bug floating around.
1: Yeah, just one less thing to keep track of.
0: Right, exactly. Uh, The other thing, which I haven't even mentioned to you, is that I had some kind of weird bug on my Android phone where the call to the API would fail.
1: I experienced this yesterday. I don't think it's limited to Android. I experienced this yesterday on my iMac.
0: Yeah, it's weird. So, it, so what, and so you ended up with an interface with no data, right? Cause it, yeah, it, the
1: options request was failing.
0: Mm, it's weird because it was working. It's not like the API was down and this is the public, you know, the hue API, the, uh, Phillips API that, because it was working on my other phones. It was, it was just not, I don't know. I don't know what it was doing. So, I didn't have a chance to really debug it. I, uh, I deleted, the, I like removed the app from my, oh, what did I do? I did something to clear the, uh, oh, I plugged in, um, I plugged in the phone to my Mac and launched Chrome and did the remote debugging, the new mm-hmm. DevTools allow remote debugging. And I deleted, uh, no, the you, know what, I, you know what I had to do? No, I had to, f- I did that and it didn't work. And I actually had to put the IP address in local storage. So like I went to the a- the API in my desktop browser, got the IP, mm-hmm. and just pasted it into local storage, and then it would work. So we could definitely uh, whoever one of us gets to it first can do uh, at least put in some kind of like a try catch or something if the if yeah. the API is down, it doesn't just completely puke.
1: Yeah, yeah. I've I've meant to do that. I just haven't
0: had time. Yeah. So anyway, worth uh, worth noting if anybody's having a similar problem, um, you you can do that sort of a workaround it's not very graceful but you could do it on uh either ios or android by using the remote debugging tools
1: yeah chances are if you're using qpanel.com you probably know how to do remote debugging because you're super (laughs) super super nerd
0: (laughs) right (laughs) exactly uh so that was that uh panel update so then a, a bunch of things happened after the tools episode maybe because of the tools episode that um are just like super awesome, and uh, I've been using extensively since then that we didn't mention okay uh, first is an app called Size Up, which is a Mac desktop application that's similar to Moom, which I may have mentioned. I believe I did mention Moom. Yeah, you mentioned Moom. Yeah, so what Moom does is it, when you hover over the green jewel, in the top left hand corner. Of any Finder window, or really any application window that has a active uh, green one, whatever that is, that to resize.
1: Just the zoom button.
0: Yeah, uh, is that what it's called? Yeah. Um, cool. So if you hover over the zoom button and you have Moom running, it shows a a, a little uh, palette that allows you to very specifically resize the window, either half of the screen to the left, half the screen to the right, top, bottom, or you can pick like by dragging across a grid to really perfectly size the window. But if, you know, if you're anal like me, you understand why that's fun. And, um, and generally I always, almost always I use the half screen option. So I'm trying to get two windows perfectly placed side to side side or above and below each other. And I I do this when I'm programming a lot, but I especially do it when I'm doing presentations uh, because I just, it, it just like has a lot less chaos on the screen. And I think it's easier for people to follow along. So the, thing that always bummed me out about moom is that it had no keyboard commands and there is uh this this app that i recently discovered called size up that uh does have keyboard commands and provides all the same functions well it, it basically does the same thing but from the keyboard mm-hmm. and it's got some pretty advanced settings you can actually change the breakpoint so if you frequently have like a, a window that only takes up a third of the screen or, you know, you can, you can set it all different ways, but it doesn't have the hover feature. And I, I actually like the hover feature sometimes. So I am now using Using both. Yeah. I'm using both size up is I'm using size up mostly. It's almost a complete replacement for Moom, but I still do like having Moom, but, and I think size up is, is it free? I think it's got a free version and it's got a nag dialogue. I did pay for it, but, um, you can certainly try it out for yourself. I love it.
1: Nice. I'd like to give it a shot.
0: Yeah, it's great. You can uh uh command option control up or down to sort of dock to the top or to the bottom and then left or right, arrows to left or right, or you can do corners and you can full screen any window with uh command option control M. And so it it just I don't know, I don't use spaces uh on my Mac for some reason. Uh, I never really dug it, but this allows me to kind of get that same sort of feel because I can, without taking my hands off the keyboard, I can really, really organize things in a way that is super helpful. It's, it's awesome.
1: Nice. Nice. I'm, I'm all about organizing things from the keyboard. So
0: yeah, it's, it is uh, you'll, I like literally could not go back to, it's like so great. <laughs> this should be built into the operating system. Yeah, absolutely. And so speaking of the operating system. Um, there was a, uh, uh, Paul Irish gave a talk, I think a while back. I think it was in 2012. It was, it was, I think it was not that recent, but he gave a talk about, uh, pimping your terminal. Mm-hmm. And he r- mentioned this dot files repo, which I Googled around for and found this, uh, this dude, uh, his name, I'm forgetting. It's Matthias something. I'll find it. Um, but he created this basically this series of files that he installs in his home directory and they're basically all dot files so they're like um things like your bash profile and your uh I don't know your github settings uh git config git ignore um there's just tons of great awesome stuff that you just don't want to configure every mm-hmm. single time you get a new computer or create a new account yeah. on somebody else's computer or whatever
1: yeah, that that repo was a gold mine, I ended up handpicking a lot of stuff out of it. But yeah. just in general, that that repo was awesome.
0: Yeah, it is. It is. I totally agree. It's a gold mine. There's so much stuff in there. Matthias Bynens is his name, and but there's one file in particular that blew my mind.
1: Yes, and i meant to ask you about this, so go ahead.
0: Yeah, it's dot osx, and
1: oh, not the wrong one.
0: <laughs> the one. So this goes through and. Just a, it's let's see how many lines it's like it's like seven seven hundred plus lines of of code that configure your OS environment, and it is great I mean yeah
1: you, you definitely don't want to run it without install it without reading through it.
0: yeah but I made, it's got a lot of
1: good stuff in it
0: Oh, it's just tons I, I made a couple of tweaks, very very few tweaks. There's a couple of things it does that i that are really bizarre and I don't know why it does it so maybe if I knew why I wouldn't have tweaked it out but for example um he sets the computer name the host name the local host name and et cetera, et cetera, to like this weird binary string I don't know if that's to like s- for so his name doesn't show up in like air sharing or or other people's um finder windows when he's on like a public network or what the deal is but I don't like that so I took yeah. it off um, but there are—it's just—it's just like endless the stuff that it does. It like changes the highlight color system-wide. It changes the help palettes so that they're not modal and like always floating on top. It allows you to install dashboard widgets on the desktop. It it's like it—it it shows POSIX paths at the top. POSIX paths at the top of all the Finder windows. There's just a million million things. I'm not even even remembering the like most awesome things. Yeah. It automatically yes. like safe deletes the trash every time, so it's like a true delete when you empty your trash. So it, it just there's, there's
1: there's keyboard shortcuts to show and hide the desktop icons, which is great for presentations.
0: Yep, it allows you to you can quit the Finder. Uh,
1: yeah,
0: for the you know so when you're when you're uh, again for presentations, if you're command tabbing through open applications, the Finder doesn't show up there, and your desktop uh, icons are hidden, which is great. I used to always throw my desktop icons and then put them all back there are <laughs> yeah. all, all shortcuts anyway. Uh, it automatically turns on developer mode in a bunch of different applications it's it 's endless uh, but one of the the most rock your world things that it did for me, and I know you dig this too is that it customizes your terminal application
1: yes, I tweak the sum mm-hmm. but yes i i i am using it
0: yeah i it's like it, it adds, like, a bunch of different – ch- first of all, it changes the way the prompt works, which I, I don't know why. I just love it, though.
1: Yeah, it took a bit to get used to, but I really like it. <laughs>
0: yeah, once you get used to it, it's amazing. But it gives you, like, a, a very a more colorful experience, uh, which is useful. And it gives you, like, instead of the, the s- sort of just plain old command prompt that you get, it tells you, um, you know, who you're logged in as, what machine you're on, which is actually helpful for me. Yeah, that,
1: um, that part I took out of mine. Oh, really? Yeah, because I've got like two machines.
0: I see. Yeah. Uh, and then it's got the path to the folder that you're currently in. So it always shows you the, the current working directory, which is super nice. And then this is sick. If it's a Git directory, it tells you what branch you're on.
1: I love that. Yeah. That has saved my bacon already mm. since, since doing it.
0: Yeah, that is fantastic. Uh, it also shows you if the if the, if it's dirty or whatever, I don't know what you call it in the mm-hmm. Git world, but it's, if you have uncommitted changes, it just has a little asterisk next to it. It's ridiculous. It's great. Yeah, there's a bunch of Git tweaks, uh, a bunch of bunch of great aliases. It goes on and on and on. If you use a Mac and you are even reasonably comfortable with the terminal, you have got to get this and install it. Um, like Kelly said, you should read through it for sure because like one thing it did was it modified my Sublime text settings, which is annoying. Uh, and I didn't, <laughs> I keep on meaning to r- ask you to re-instruct me how you, you got mine set the way it was before, because <laughs> I can never remember. But uh, that's one thing that I would change. Um, but, but overall, it's just ridiculous how awesome it is.
1: It is. It's, I, I like it a lot. There's, uh, you're probably using more of it than I am. I just, I went in and, and Sherry picked a, a handful of things, but there, like, it's just a, an amazing amount of stuff in there. Yeah. Yeah. And, oh but this brings me to another another question though mm-hmm. um, you had showed me the functions for doing what you wanted to do which oh. was open map from the current directory
0: yeah yeah that's the next thing
1: yeah how do, um i got I've got the function file on like the dot functions file
0: mm-hmm. with
1: the function in it how do I run that
0: uh so this is this is a perfect segue okay. um, one of the uh, my second favorite Um, file in the .files directory that I tweaked, I should say. There are other ones that are awesome that I didn't have to tweak. But there's one called .functions, and I did not even know about this in the past, but if you have a file called .functions in your home directory... um, uh, Well, actually, I'm not sure this is true. This might be a function of something else that I ran when I installed the .files, but I, I assume that this file is just a general bash concept. Uh, the, it, is. it
1: just it, looks like a, it looks like a just a bash script.
0: Yeah, it's just a bash script, but it, inside it's just all functions. So <clears throat> it looks they look just like JavaScript functions if you're not familiar with bash. But generally, it's the same concept. Uh, Syntax wise, uh, but you're writing bash commands instead of JavaScript, obviously. So um, once you have uh, created that file in your home directory and you restart your terminal or you, you can actually reload that file directly by by just executing it, um then whatever function name is in the file becomes a a command a bash command so you just you just run the. so like uh if you wanted to if you have a function called uh get domain you just mm-hmm. type get domain and hit enter and it'll run the function
1: seems like i tried that it didn't work
0: i wonder so okay so this this might be what i was alluding to before there might be something in the overall configuration that you didn't cherry pick that causes this file to be recognized by my terminal.
1: Yeah, there might be. I have to go back so to
0: go. Let, me, let me go. I don't know if this may or may not be useful to leave it in the episode but let me look at the profile file because I'll bet you that will say oh yes, yes there is. So if you go into um, if you go into uh, bash profile there's a little chunk that says load shell dot files and then some
1: Yeah, I, I don't I don't have that. Um, well, that's probably my problem. It's probably not being loaded.
0: So if you go to your home directory, though, mm-hmm. and then just type dot space dot slash functions. No, sorry, sorry, sorry. Type dot space dot slash dot functions and hit enter. And then now try now type MAMP enter. Yeah,
1: and then it prompts you for the password because
0: of the pseudo. And yes, it works now. Cool. Uh, so, f- dear listener, if this is of interest to you, uh, you and you do want to cherry pick stuff. You might have an issue, but but and we'll link to all this stuff in the show notes so people know what we're talking about. Uh, but I use so many different machines, at least three or four different machines, that I didn't bother messing with it too much because I didn't want to reconfigure it. I just tweaked it the way I wanted it, and uh, it basically tweaked out anything that I hated and left everything else as as is. One of the coolest things uh, in in that it does to the terminal is that. If you start typing a command, like let's say you're CD-ing back and forth between a couple of directories a lot, uh, and it, if you want to, a lot of times you want to use the up arrow to, to sort of scroll back through your history so you don't have to retype a command, uh, but one of the tweaks to the terminal is if you have started typing a command and you hit the up arrow, it will only show you stuff from your history that starts with that same string, which is sick.
1: That is nice.
0: Yeah. It's really, it's, it's annoying at first. Cause you don't like, I didn't realize what was happening. You know, I'm like, Hey, what happened to that? You know, whatever that previous command I just typed. But, uh, as long as you know about it, it's super, super useful. So cool. Folks should definitely check that out. It's, uh, it is drastically. Oh, I forgot to talk about the map function. Um, so <laughs> the, the map function that we were just trying to get working is, um, i think we've talked about before i one of the things i love about yeoman and um some you know like basically rails is that you can start up a a web server in the current directory and i just there's a lot of different frameworks and tools that let you do this um, and even php i think 5.4 introduced um, php space minus capital s which does the same thing um, and i remember saying in a previous episode that it never worked for me and I couldn't remember why, so I looked into it again and I remembered why, uh, which is that mm-hmm. it's not hosting it using Apache, it's just a plain vanilla HTTP server, so if you use HT access files, which I virtually always do, uh, it doesn't respect them, so it seems like everything's broken
1: ah, so that's why you're having problems
0: yeah, and it it took me a long time to figure out what the problem was, but uh, once because it just shows you like file not found, I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, you know, cause if you, cause almost every site I like trim off whatever the file extension is, like if it's .php or .html. Yeah. Uh, so, um, usually what I uh, would, usually what I do because that, that function never worked for me was use map, which is like a standalone MySQL Apache. Um, it's almost like a, it's almost like a, it's almost like its own app, but it's really a combination of things. But anyway. But I, it drives me nuts because you have to like launch it as an application, you wait for it to launch, then you have to go into the preferences and change the directory that you're hosting then and stop the, stop the server start, start the server, server, type your password, wait for it to launch it takes for it's so frustrating. <laughs>
1: it's a pain because yeah. you have to use the GUI.
0: Yes, super annoying. And I was like, there's got to be some way to either Apple script this or something, but I wanted it to from the command line to be able to just deal with it and do have that same experience that you get with rails where I just type start serving this directory, uh, Mm -hmm. but have it be with Apache. So um, I Googled around until my Googlers were sore (laughs) and I found uh, someone who wanted to do something similar and it was enough to get me going. So basically um, I should have thought of this as a matter of fact, uh, because I know how to administer Apache over SSH mm-hmm. remotely at the command line. And this, and MAMP is just a, a, uh, you know, it's just another Apache install on your directory. Yeah. So of course it has configuration files. And of course you can use Apache CTL to start and stop it. So, um, I was like, duh. Duh. Yeah.
1: One, once I read it, I was like, oh yeah, of course. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, but there's one tricky thing, which is that, um, you, the way they have it set up, the way map has it set up, um, you you have to edit the. Well, I guess I guess this is normal. I think there's a newer way to do it with Apache too, but um, you have to edit the comp file, which means fishing around inside of the file, looking for the document, the old document root, and doing mm-hmm. a string replace on that for with the new current working directory but you know, it's only like 10 lines of code and then you just like uh, restart the server and wait a couple seconds. And then I launch localhost, which opens in, you know, open HTTP colon slash slash localhost, which launches your default browser at that URL. Yep. Uh, And this 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 is significantly, just this one command has significantly changed um, my development habits already
1: oh yeah i can see why it would
0: yeah because like before i would just i'd be like ah, i'll just throw these files on a live web server and mess with them yeah. because i don't want to deal with dorking <laughs> around with MAMP GUI. so uh now i can just like just type MAMP, boom done i'm pointed at the file i can start editing immediately i should probably add a line that opens up the current working directory in sublime that would be smart, that would be smart. yeah the command should be like do work <laughs> yeah <laughs> So I'm actually so I'm going to do that actually because I always do that's exactly what I'm always doing which is like yeah, oh, yeah. i want to work on these files
1: yeah um oh speaking of of, of things you were automating um how did you have any, any luck with your adventures with Capistrano for PHP deployment
0: ah uh, yes I did speaking of a tools update um as you know but I'll share with the dear listener it was not obvious how to get it set up um. I can't even remember at this point what the wackiness was, but I, I, there's a lot. See, like, uh, Capistrano, I guess, somewhat recently released version three.
1: The documentation is just not up to par yet. Yeah,
0: so you just like on Stack Overflow, everything's for two, and and it's not really PHP friendly in terms of like how to make things work. It's all very railsy, like all the instructions mm-hmm. use bundle install exec and or bundle exec or whatever that's some of that silly ruby stuff you have to do <laughs> um, so you have to kind of like translate it a little bit. but I did get it working um, I, and i uh, let's see what did I do I, I tested it out on my personal website, which is the <laughs> least dangerous thing to test it on right and it did, totally works creates a new um a new directory you know on the it created a, i i set it up to create a new directory because i have to reset my apache configuration to point at the this is actually kind of complicated i have to reset my apache configuration to point to the new way that the file structure is yeah and there were some other shenanigans that were going on there and, but what i realized was it's more work and no benefit for that site
1: for that particular site. for that particular
0: site there's absolutely no reason for me to use it on that site because there's nothing i don't need to do any like the power of it really for me comes from the the stuff that you can have it do after it's sent things
1: Right, like you can have it migrate the database, compile your static assets. Yeah,
0: all that stuff. Restart your server. Totally. You don't
1: need that with a small PHP app.
0: Right. But uh, there are, in fact, most of the apps that I uh, use, it's really, it's just as easy to just SSH into it and do a pull. Yeah. So it's like, well, you know, like, it's pretty cool. And I love it but I don't need it yet. But now that I know how it works and how awesome it is, then right. I'm sure a situation will present itself where I'm like, Oh, <laughs> this is perfect.
1: You used it on a, on a Ruby app the other day for the first time. And
0: it just, you see, that's your,
1: your reaction was hilarious.
0: Oh man. it's the best because I don't understand how to like, like the way Ruby uh, rails apps or was it rails or Sinatra? I can't remember. Actually,
1: this was a Sinatra app actually.
0: Yeah. There's like, you have to, you have to like touch that file to make things reload. It's like, this, there's like, wacky stuff it's like the files are there just serve them please (laughs) so i know it's not that easy but but there's things that you have to do after you make changes yeah
1: and you were like okay how do i get these changes into production i literally
0: wanted to change one character i wanted to (laughs) i wanted to come out comment out a line and you know add a pound sign to a line i'm like okay how do i do that and uh so i you know pulled the repo down i made the change i committed it pushed it in, and then and then uh capistrano i used capistrano whatever it is server cap deploy cap deploy production and it pukes out like 50 million lines of code or, or <laughs> log i guess and uh boom totally worked so it it's completely great it so like that's a good example because then someone who doesn't know crap about the application can actually deploy it, which may or may right. not be a good thing
1: <laughs> you don't have to know anything about the, the whole deployment workflow
0: yeah so if we if this is a perfect example of we, we uh, our cruise client from back in the day they have a situation where uh, they've got two servers behind a load balancer mm-hmm. totally they it's just totally perfect for that yeah because you need to deploy all the code to both places every time without exception and it, it did happen in the past when the code bases got out of sync and we're like how come some people are getting this bug you know because people are mm-hmm. getting distributed you know sent from one or the other yeah
1: is that the is that the, the server i think it is i finally got it behind a load balancer no stuff i was planning or mm-hmm. this is different
0: no it's even older news
1: oh.
0: but yeah so if you have any you know it's kind of like it reminds me of ant um, which I've only had to use a couple of times, which is kind of like a Java make so you can comp- put your, your configuration and and uh, just not have to remember it all the time. Like all that stuff you have to do like uh, like strip out your like user production passwords instead of your um, instead of your uh, test passwords or yeah. Rather, yeah, development passwords. All that stuff is just totally great. Oh, that, and that was the thing with my site that, that uh, was complicated, which is that not everything in my site is in version control.
1: Right. Because right. I've got They're a couple a, of... A large directory of just stuff.
0: Yeah, I have a directory that has a lot... Of, like whenever I do a talk, I usually upload a zip file of all of the slides and any example files and the, the, they get pretty big. So I have tons of really big files and there's no reason to keep them under version control. And in fact, I did once, when I first put my website uh, (laughs) into Git, I completely filled up my hard drive uh, by just creating the repo because it tried to (laughs) duplicate all that stuff. So um, it is totally amazing, though. So if you have any kind of uh, annoying deploy requirements, even slightly annoying, uh, this is absolutely the way to go. It's super fab. cool nice yeah so that was probably plenty of housekeeping and updates <laughs> I
1: don't I don't have anything else
0: yeah I guess the I guess yeah, I
1: think a new version of pattern lab came out last yesterday
0: cool yeah people should check out pattern dash lab dot info
1: some bug fixes
0: cool yeah uh, I, I, we actually have real housekeeping next week I'm going to be in San Francisco on Monday Tuesday coming back Wednesday so we'll have to mm. work out something we might be a little late next week so FYI so shall we move into the feature content? Um, sure. I am super psyched about this because I uh, we have not really talked about it at all, and I've been looking forward to hearing. No, we
1: have we haven't, and it was kind of a it was kind of a spur of the moment thing for me, mm-hmm. and I did it on a whim, and and that is that I bought a Raspberry Pi.
2: Mmm.
0: <laughs> so can so why don't you tell the dear listener just in case. Uh, it's this is a new term. What Raspberry Pi is?
1: A Raspberry Pi is. a I feel like it's probably not a new term to our listeners, but
0: the term you never huh? know.
1: Yeah. A, a Raspberry Pi is basically it's a tiny computer. Um, it's about the you get a, it's it's a single card. It's a single motherboard about the size of a deck of, dimensions of a deck of cards.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and uh, on that, you've got your your CPU. Um, USB output, HDMI video output, uh, Ethernet, uh, wired wired Ethernet, um, RGA video and audio outputs, and it's got a little place for a um, SD card, which acts as your hard drive for your Pi. Hmm.
0: Is and that the only physical storage?
1: Uh, that's the only physical storage, yes. But I mean you could always hook up a, a external drive by USB.
0: Oh right. If you had a if you had
1: a power source for it. But yeah. And and there's uh there's a there's a couple of different models of, of the Pi's. I have the better of the two and it has two USB ports and I think five hundred and twelve megs of, of memory hmm. of RAM. So, you know, you're not talking about a huge amount of proce- uh, processing power, but it's it's not tiny either. Hmm. And um uh yeah, basically it runs a well it comes with a customized version uh of Debian Linux and um the you know, other operate you can put other operating systems on it. Uh, it's arm arm based processor, so any operating system that'll mm. run on an ARM based um you know, CPU architecture you can put
0: on it. Mm. Android in fact.
1: Yeah, I think the latest version of Android it supports at the moment is two point three. Mm. But that, for the post where I read that may have been kind of old, so I, I'm, you know, I'm not not sure. But putting Android on it definitely did. dumb actually, I was telling my dad about it. And that was the first thing he said. was like, "You should put Android on it."
0: <laughs> Dual boot. Yeah. <laughs> well, cool. So uh, it has Wi-Fi, or is that an adapter that you have to? Uh,
1: it does not have Wi-Fi. It has wired Ethernet, and then I have I have it hooked up wire, wirelessly via a little, just like Bluetooth. Wi-Fi dongle.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. I, I figured. So, all right. So, um, so is it safe to assume that really any, any kind of standard lamp type stuff should work on it or there's yeah. any kind of weird restrictions?
1: No, it's, it's pretty, pretty standard. I, any you any know, pretty, pretty standard kind of lamp lampy type stuff. Um, yeah, the the other thing. Oh, the other thing I uh, forgot to mention about the the Raspberry Pi that makes it awesome is it's got this. Um, it's got these these header. It got the headers on the motherboard exposed where you can plug in, like this this. Yeah, you can put in a a breakout board and a cable to it, and and then you can do all kinds of all kinds of neat breadboarding, and you can hook up Arduino's or you can hook up sensors or, or that kind of stuff hmm. to your Pi.
0: That's interesting. Yeah. So it's expandable the, the same way an Arduino is basically. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Huh. Which I have not done any of that. And I'm I'm not sure I want to right now. I'm, I may at some point, but
0: mm-hmm. yeah, I have a, an Arduino and I, I played with it enough to be like, wow, this is really not plug and play. Like you really have to, yeah. it, it, I mean, talk about, it's like, I I don't have the patience for hardware debugging the way I did when I was a kid.
1: Yeah. I had an Arduino once and, um, I bought it and then ended up giving it away before I did anything with it because um, it was it was during the the cataract issues and I just couldn't see it mm. <laughs> any breadboarding. wording.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah, it's a little tricky. It feels like uh, well, it, it seems like the Raspberry Pi is more like um, kind of ready to go out of the box. It's a different thing though.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The Raspberry Raspberry Pi out of the box out of the box you've just got a tiny Linux computer.
0: Yeah, and how um, like so? How much does it cost? Like this? It's
1: like thirty five dollars.
0: that's like le- that's like less than a Chromecast. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. I ended up. I got a. I got a kit that has the. Um, uh, it's got the pie and it's got a case. Uh, yeah, thirty five dollars gets you just the board. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you want a case, you gotta gotta buy one or make one. And I ended up getting a kit. That's it was the case and the um, the, the pie. The Pi, the case, a memory card, the Wi Fi dongle, an HDMI cable, all the breakout board stuff, and like some resistors and LEDs and switches and that type of stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: and it was like 60 or 70 bucks, I think. Oof,
0: so. Man. So, you know, and assuming you've got any kind of monitor, like a TV yeah. that has HDMI or anything and uh, a keyboard, you know, you'd need the peripherals. But. Yeah. So if you were going to, so you, so you get the two USB, if you had just one USB, like, would you be able to, I guess you don't need a mouse, right? It's just, well, how do you interface with it?
1: Okay. Yeah. Um, initially, initially I had set it up. Um, I had, <clears throat> I had that keyboard, that keyboard you sent me hooked up to it initially, which was hilarious. <laughs> the keyboard is huge and the pot is tiny.
0: Yeah. You can <laughs> mount the we were yeah, joking tape, about
1: tape the pie to the keyboard
0: yeah and then get like vr glasses and yeah them, you know, usb <laughs> just sit at the starbucks with a
1: <laughs> with a giant keyboard
0: a giant keyboard no no visible computer and goggles Google glass
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> i, <mean, laughs> I want to do that but uh, yeah. yeah so I, I mean i had it hooked up to i've got a second monitor here and i had to hook up to that and i had the keyboard And, um, then once I got the Wi-Fi configured on it, yeah, I had this issue of like, okay, I need a keyboard and mouse, but I've only got one USB for it. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, well, I could, I could hook it up to a powered USB um, hub. Right. Um, because I have a, I have a, a US, a TARDIS USB hub.
0: (laughs) Who doesn't? (laughs)
1: Exactly. And, um. But this is actually my replacement Turkish USB hub, and it did not come with. The, it's it's not powered like the original one was that got destroyed in the lightning strike. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> so naturally, instead of of buying a power supply for that USB hub and having something potentially useful going forward from here on out, <laughs> <laughs> I bought a a tiny keyboard that also has a trackpad built in. The whole thing is about the size of like a video game controller.
0: Yeah, yep, yep. Is it Bluetooth or USB?
1: Uh, it is Bluetooth.
0: Yeah, I've got one of those too.
1: Yeah. And so then I just plugged in the Bluetooth dongle and, and I was using that. But, um, after, after I got my initial setup stuff done the way I wanted, I just unplugged it from the monitor, unplugged the keyboard and I just, I just got it sitting, sitting over on, um, on a table in the corner of the room and I just SSH into it now.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, naturally. So I don't know if, I don't know if you said this and I missed it, but it doesn't have like, uh. Ubunt, like an a Ubuntu-style desktop.
1: Yeah, it does. Oh, it, it does. does. Okay. And it, it does, and you can you can configure it to start into that automatically if you're gonna have it hooked up to a to a display or something. You probably want to do that.
0: Mm, that's cool. This is so cool. Like because, I mean, I just love the affordability of something like this for kids yeah. to just hack on. Yeah. And just goof around with.
1: Yeah, and the thing about it, I have found that I really love. Mm-hmm. It's like you can just experiment and go crazy with it, and like you don't have to like say you've got a setup that you like,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and you want to get crazy and experiment and do something weird. Mm-hmm.
2: Just,
1: okay, no big deal. Pull out the SD card and spend four bucks and plop another one in there. You know.
0: <laughs> so, but the OS is stored elsewhere.
1: No, the OS is stored on the SD card.
0: So, okay. So if you put in a new SD card, what do you? What's the setup process?
1: Um, actually, you can download. You can download. Uh, they they call it Noobs. It's their their new out of box software, which mm-hmm. is a, a, a name created for the sake of an acronym. I'm sure. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: and um, you just you just download it to your SD card from your regular computer. So presumably, oh, oh, oh. So you are you, on your computer.
0: I see. So you load up the SD card mm-hmm. elsewhere and then stick it.
1: Yeah, just plug it into the Pi.
0: I see. Well, that seems that might be. Yeah. So if, if the Raspberry Pi was your only computer, you'd be SOL.
1: Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. The, unless, unless you, you know, course you can, you can buy preloaded SD cards with the Pi software on them. But. Oh, okay.
0: Cool. Well, that makes sense.
1: Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, I love how easy it is to experiment with things cause you know, it's okay. Like right now, the setup I have right now is, uh, which I'm, I'm still not entirely sure what I'm going to do with it. Maybe we can brainstorm some ideas.
2: Mm.
1: Um, I don't have Apache or anything on it, but I've got uh, I've got Node.js and and Redis.
0: <laughs> so um, funny. <laughs> Node.js and Redis running on an SD card mm-hmm. and a computer that's small enough to tape to a keyboard.
1: Yeah, yeah uh, it's it's sitting over on a sitting over on a, a little end table in my office, right next to my mountie moose, <laughs> so, Sergeant Morris Bull Moose.
0: <laughs> well, at least I mean, he's you know watching over it. I'm sure. Yeah so you 've got security
1: I do i do that's my that 's my security for my pie
0: awesome It'd be funnier if it was Yogi Bear because he loves pie <laughs> so anyway the, so this is this this is the sort of quandary, which is that I think without exception, all of the sort of fancy newfangled internet of things stuff i bought Mm-hmm i don't stick with like or like or i can't think of a practical application like i can't think of some reason why i need it um except uh, the lights except the lights the lights are killer and i think well and and the nest to tell you the truth i mean nest nest is very practical uh it's just not for our lifestyle but um but they do the the nest team
1: now owned by google
0: uh they have their mandate like their thing is to kind of reinvent unloved products that just like have never been Mm -hmm. updated so you know the next one was the smoke detector and um and who knows what will be next maybe baby monitor like something that something that is inherently useful that just really is in drastic need of a redesign and oh while we're at it let's make them talk to each other so that we can do smart things so like the, for example, the smoke detector, uh, it, I don't think it does it right now, but it is set up to, uh, in the future, uh, after a software update to talk to your nest. So if you've got, um, let's say your nest is, you know, in your living room, which is not a heavily trafficked room during the day. It, like, for example, I spend most of the day in the basement when I'm home. And if I had a smoke detector down here, it would tell nest that someone's still home, even though nobody has triggered the the motion sensor in the thermostat itself, because no one's been in that room.
1: Oh right, so your temperature is not going to change just because you're not up there triggering the motion.
0: Yeah, it won't shut off the heat because I'm in the basement. Which is,
1: which is one of your complaints.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: So you you get like this mesh network of Nest things.
0: Mm-hmm. So and that seems really practical. But now other sort of standalone things I've I've tried um, that, uh, in fact, the most recent one, what the heck is it called? Spotter. Mm-hmm. Uh, the quirky from Quirky. Yeah. It's just hasn't it's it's really cool. It's it's very self contained. It looks like a, a little hockey puck. It's magnetic. You can stick it to stuff or, you know, do motion sensing. I cannot think of anything to use it for.
1: Yeah, that's that's kind of why I haven't like I bought when I bought the bought the pie, I went ahead and got the kit so it have the, the breakout board. They call it a cobbler, which is hilarious. <laughs> you can kinda cobble of <laughs> stuff onto it. To the pie. Yeah, cobble stuff onto your pie. They call it a cobbler, which is nice. It, it makes me laugh every time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm easily amused, but um so, I mean, I got it in case I wanted to do something because I thought, yeah, I can see myself doing that in the future. But in reality, I'm like, okay, what am I going to do? And I'm like, oh, I could make a weather station, but it's only going to collect weather data for like yeah. right here, and I know what the weather's like right here because I'm here.
0: Mm. You know? <laughs> yeah, I can already look out the window.
1: Yeah. Yeah, or, or, you know, check the widget on my desktop.
0: <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. There's uh, almost everything I can think of amounts to, all the useful aspects basically amount to spying. Mm-hmm. So, like, you could you can set up, uh, because it's so small, um, you could set up a webcam, like a nanny cam. Right. Um, there, like, for this spotter, the, there's a motion sensor on the spotter, and you could, I don't know, it, it, like, it occurred to me that you could put it uh, like on, if, if you're like one of those people that locks your liquor cabinet, you could put it inside of the door and it's basically spying. Yeah, basically. You know what I mean?
1: Sp- spying or like some kind of cobbled together hackney home security system, in which case, if you really feel like you need a home security system, you probably want one that you know is going to work. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, the, the, it's, it's interesting because the pie doesn't really come with any sensors and a lot of these yeah. any special sensors and a lot of these things, Arduino and all the other ones, even the, the more user-friendly ones have sensors like accelerometer and uh, humidity and that sort of stuff. Right. But I don't, y- you, when you're, it might just be my lifestyle, but when you're not in a alternate environment, like we don't have a, we don't have a summer home that has internet connectivity. Mm-hmm. We don't have, I don't have an office. There's no place I need to monitor that I'm not already in, so right.
1: Like I'd, I'd love to have some monitoring built into some of my appliances, but I don't just need to go sticking random sensors around.
0: Hmm. Exactly. So I don't know. So uh, I I did have a something interesting. I saw something interesting again. This kind of amounts to spying, but uh, I saw a TED talk where this guy was just—he's just like a total hacker. And uh, he was he was kind of trying to open people open people's eyes about how easy it is to hack stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, he he actually demonstrated the the hack where you can somehow get information off of somebody's uh, credit card stripe without any access to the credit card. Right. Which I thought was complete tinfoil hat BS. But uh, uh, you know those shielding wallet
2: mm-hmm. things
0: that are act- that, uh, there actually is a security. Hole there, But anyway, um, one thing he did that I thought was super cool and could have practical applications for businesses uh, is at, at the conference, he took a bunch of raspberry pies or some, something similar, and they kind of just stuck them around the place mm-hmm. in like potted plants. They just, just hit them all over the place, and they had all of them collecting um, any any information that could be gleaned from passing wireless devices that tried to connect to it over Wi-Fi or Bluetooth. So you get things like um, people's computer names, maybe MAC addresses. There's some information exchanged when when a device sees a wireless access point or a Bluetooth share. And he collected all that stuff, and there was enough identifying information uh, on many of the, of the computers and phones that he could... Pretty much track somebody's uh, somebody's movement, movement through the the conference hall, and I thought I was like, again, it's kind of like spying. But if you imagine a, a retail environment, um, like a big one, like Home Depot or something yeah. like that, that you know you have these cheap machines that you could connect wirelessly to the network and put them around, and kind of get behavioral an- analytics, not necessarily around a particular customer because you you won't know how to track it back to somebody. But you could see things like, oh, foot traffic is, is, is not good over here, and uh, people see, tend to follow the same path. If they come in through this door, they tend to always end up over here or whatever.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And I found that kind of interesting, but again, I, I can't imagine like, what the home application of that would be.
1: It would be interesting if you could do something like that and like, oh, you're you're near this thing. Let me send a push notification to your phone about this sale. Right. It would get super annoying as a, as a customer, but I could see retailers wanting to do it.
0: Yeah, I mean, there are products like that now. Um, Shopkick yeah. does that, and uh, but you have to have the Shopkick app installed and you have to opt in for it and the new Apple iBeacons thing. As you thing. should. Yes, as you should. And the new iBeacons thing is all about that. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if that's, Um, In in terms of like a a customer touch point, I find it hard to believe that that I can't picture that catching on until like my kids are old enough to drive. Like it's going to take a generation of a generational shift before people are cool with that, I think. Yeah, I I agree. Um, So, you know, uh, but yeah, that's the you know, if you go if you do a search for like uh, Raspberry Pi ideas. Yeah. Pretty much everything that comes up is like, eh, you know. <laughs>
1: yeah, and it's like there's a there's tons of things I could do with it that I'm just like, yeah I don't really want to. But, right. But um, I mean, on its own without any additional hardware hooked up to it, it's basically just a tiny Linux box. Yeah. And uh, on the one hand, that's nothing special. On the other hand, it's super affordable, and being able to swap out the SD card makes it super easy to do like, like you know completely change uses of you know or try something new or right. like, oh, I, I want to play games on I want to you know I want to set this one up for games I want to have another one for you know, development or, or that kind of stuff
0: so. right right yeah I mean I can think it's, it's like you could set up a BitTorrent server like there's like there's like things you could do it's like a, mm-hmm. a cheap way to maybe anonymize your um uh, whatever you're doing, which sort mm-hmm. of presumes that you're probably doing something you shouldn't do, <laughs> but like, but not necessarily. I mean, you, you know, you maybe you're a uh, enemy of the state and like, or political. Uh, I don't mean enemy yeah. of the state and like a like maybe the state's not not happy with your uh, outspoken diatribes and you know you don't live in the U.S. and that's not cool. Right. Ed- um, Edward
1: Snowden uses a Raspberry Pi.
0: Yeah, no, does he? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, but that's the kind of thing. Like, like I've heard it before, you know, you can have like uh, a, like a, um, whatchamacallit, like Linux on a thumb drive, boot to the thumb drive, to just in like the whole operating system's in memory. So like nothing is stored. Right. So there, I mean, there's all kinds of, I don't know. I suppose there's all kinds of things you could do with it, but they're just not, uh, for me, there's not too many practical ones. I want one, but I don't know what I would use it for.
1: Yeah, now now that I've got it, I like I said I've I've got um node and, and redis and I thought about just kind of setting it up to just sort of monitor and, and passively collect some some information from online things.
0: Right, yep.
1: Is, uh, which I could easily do on my computer, you know, just as well, but there having, is a there is not, a, there's something about having a tiny little dedicated thing for it.
0: Yeah, I agree, and it's it's like my I know you have. Uh, is it an iMac? You have like an actual desktop.
1: Yeah, I have. I have an iMac.
0: Yeah, and my laptops are not necessarily always on. So there are some advantages right. I could imagine. Um, even if I just set it up to run cron jobs to ping servers to do stuff. Right. Exactly. That's actually that's a that's not a bad idea right there. You know, but then again, why? What's the point of having it in my house? It could be, it could be just as easily. Yeah, I could put it could be a
1: server on.
0: Run. Yeah, five dollar a month server. Right. So. I don't know. There needs to be some, I suppose, I suppose if there was an application where you wanted to do something like that, but it it needs to be behind your firewalls, so to speak, in order to do certain things like, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, if I was going to send commands to the Hue bulbs, you have to be on your local network. Right. Uh, Oh, there's an idea. You could set it up for remote access to your lights. So if you set it up as a web server. You could. Yeah. There you go.
1: Some kind of dynamic DNS,
0: right? So you can you could tunnel into it from outside, and, and
1: uh, it would control your lights. Yeah, that's a good idea.
0: Thank you. It only took us an hour. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, something like that. So I I love that it exists, and I totally want one. I'll probably buy one.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm having fun with it. If if, if <laughs> I I don't know if I'll end up what sort of practical application I'll end up. Or we end up with, but
0: yeah. How how big is it when you put the Wi Fi dongle on it? Like, when I
1: put the Wi Fi dongle on, I let me see if I have a picture here I can send you. But I mean, the Wi Fi dongle sticks out. Like I have a fairly, <laughs> I have a large dongle. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but um, <Ba-dum-pish.
1: laughs> I know. Uh, like they they make them that are a lot smaller, but. <laughs> <laughs> It sticks out maybe a, a half inch or three quarters of an
0: inch from the case. It, but when you plug it into the USB? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, right, right, right. My mother just got one of these for her desktop computer. I know what you mean. But those are a little pricey.
1: Um, You can get them for like 10 bucks.
0: Really? All right. Yeah. That's cool. I mean, it's it's funny when you think about like, okay, the computer's $35 and the dongle is 70 <laughs> The case is 40 or what? I know it's not, but...
1: Yeah, the the you can get the Wi-fi dongles for like ten bucks oh,
0: no that's that's great oh, cool and,
1: but yeah my mine you know mine came in the kit but if but I have purchased them in the past
0: for uh-huh. it, so. mm-hmm. well yeah I mean for what did you say it was like sixty five bucks for the kit yeah so
1: yeah and actually I've got it in I've got it in the um the case that came with the kit but I'm thinking of uh, I'm going to make a custom case for it.
0: Yeah. I, so I realized that all of a sudden we're like, first of all, it's like a Lego bomb went off in our house. Yeah. And I was like, I can actually make stuff with it, like real <laughs> stuff with this, like, like a case for my phones. Yeah. Out of Lego. Yeah.
1: I thought of, I thought about doing a Lego case, but here's, here's what I've decided to do for my, for my Raspberry Pi case. And it's funny because the case itself was turning into as much of a project as what do I want to do with the Pi? <laughs> Is I've, I've found, like, this, this it's a nice old wooden cigar box. Oh, cool. So I'm going to put it in there, and then I'll make a thing to the side of it where I can just, like, store various memory cards that are essentially my swappable hard drives for my
0: Pi. Oh, I love that. That's really cool.
1: Of the, yeah, so. Huh. And then it'll, you know, it'll look look decent sitting on the table.
0: <laughs> right, right.
1: Probably put a put a coat of put a coat of, of stain or something on the box because it's kind of old and weathered. Or, or I might just leave the old and weathered. I don't know. I have to see. But
0: right. Well, dear listener, if you have ideas for how you could use a tiny little computer, we would love to hear them. Yeah. And I don't know. Is that? Do you think that's it?
1: Um. That's all I've got. Oh. 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 I ordered a Moto X.
0: Oh right so jealous
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm making making the, the leap off of the
0: iPhone yeah I t- I am really I'm, t- I'm literally carrying two phones all the time now because the, the Nexus 5 is not my perfect phone mm-hmm. and there's some things the iPhone just does a lot better but there's also some things that the Nexus 5 does way better than the iPhone but I just don't like the Nexus 5 form factor it's too big mm. for me so yeah, I'm I am sure jealous. Will feel, so. Yeah, it's five four point seven inch screen, right? Mm-hmm. Which is what the Nexus four was, which was perfect for me. Oh nice. So I am super jealous. Yeah, uh, and
1: it's still a significant upgrade in screen size from the iPhone 4S.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah.
1: Which
0: is 3.5. Yeah. I've got the iPhone 5, and the thing the thing that I've I don't like about the iPhone 5 is that it's just so narr- it's the same narrowness of all the iPhones, so I just have a hard time typing on it. Yeah. But lately, I've been voice typing everything.
1: Yeah, I'm finding myself doing that a lot. It's
0: yeah, it's it's. I, I used to predict that the social stigma, and there is one, of saying punctuation into the air. <laughs> uh, you know, what do you want to do for dinner? Question mark smiley face <laughs> send is uh, like that will go away. I think. I mean, you talk to your phone already when you're on a phone call. Right. Uh, it's it's it is a little weirder. Because you do say say things that you wouldn't say. You, people can tell you're not in a conversation.
1: Right, right. They can tell you're talking to a machine.
0: Right, and one might ask, "Well, why don't you just call the person <laughs> if you're if yeah. you're texting back and forth?" But exactly. it's it's totally not the same. Thing. It is.
1: It's totally totally not the same. Um, <laughs> but I, I still have this 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 problem. Um, is that that's voice translation on the iPhone sucks sometimes.
0: Oh yeah, it's, it's- way better on, it's way better on on Android and even, I, yeah. even inside of the inside of the Google apps on iOS it's way better.
1: Yeah, I was I was sending a text earlier and I was I got tired of typing it about two words into it so I started talking. Hmm. And I was going to the the entire contents of the text were were was uh, okay, the changes are good to go and have been merged. <laughs> And it came out as, okay, the changes are good toga armor <laughs> and have armor. The, t- the changes are good toga and have armor.
0: Because <laughs> uh, that's a reasonable thing to think. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, you can see, like, when you see the, the Apple voice typing, it's you can see that it's taking the audio, it's sending it to the server, and it's turning it into something and sending it mm-hmm. back. Where the Google stuff is, like, real time. It's figuring out what you're saying contextually. So yeah,
1: so you don't have to, like, oh man, now I have to go back and like redo half the message.
0: Yeah, you can, you can see, there's two things about the Android experience that are way better, or the, it's really the Google experience because it is on iOS as well, but is that you can see what it thinks you're saying while it's going. So you know when to stop if it's screwed up. Mm-hmm. And if you hit the backspace key, it will delete the whole mess and not just like tap, 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 character by character.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: So it's those two things make it drastically better on android because you know you're walking this fine line between is it easier to type it and and consider that it'll be probably more accurate or is it easier to say it and so the longer the message gets the farther the more likely it is that mm-hmm. saying it will be easier but then if it goes horribly wrong
1: at the it, beginning
0: now it would have been easier to type it because it's going to take you 5 minutes to delete it yeah so yeah. It's interesting, but it's it's good and en- it's like a good enough now, and it's just going to get better. So, I, voice is going to be for sure the yeah. It's going to be a major input method.
1: Yeah. So, but yeah, I, I should get the should get the Moto X on February third.
0: Okay. Mm. Oh God, I want that so bad. I want one of the wood ones.
1: I'll get a red one.
0: Yeah, it looks sharp. I saw it.
1: Yeah, it's 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 red with a, a black a black face and, and then like silver buttons and trim.
0: Yeah, I've gone through the I've gone through the the build your own site a couple of times and just like yeah. become totally paralyzed by options. I did the same thing on that bag site you sent me. Mm-hmm. What was that? On, uh, Timbuk2. Timbuk2. Yeah, you can configure yeah. your own bag. And I was like, oh, I just went just went nuts, and then I was like, oh, I can't decide between these three that I made and <laughs> add in all these special features. Next thing you know, it's a six hundred dollar bag.
1: Yeah, yeah, I I have the have that problem. <laughs> But I'm 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 very happy with the last bag I bought from them, so I think that'll be my be my bag for a while.
0: Cool. Yeah, I gotta get a new one. Anyway, we don't need to bore the dear listener with this. <laughs> That's our show for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark. I'm Kelly Shaver. We hope you join us again next week for the Niche podcast. Bye.
1: Bye.